0: Oh man, the Rays have dropped nine of ten games, five of them by one run to the Mariners, including Sunday's five to four loss. Boy, the game on Sunday ended with a coaching mistake. We'll get all into that. And the Bucks, they begin a three-day mandatory mini-camp on Tuesday. We'll tell you what, Jason Pierre-Paul has lost by skipping the offseason workouts, besides an opportunity to learn the new defense. In Golden State, they finished off the Cavs to win their third NBA title in four years as a super team. Good. For the NBA and Alex Ovechkin's Stanley Cup, well, it's runneth it over, man. Have you seen this guy since he won the Stanley Cup? Oh, my goodness. Al- Alex, sober up, babe. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, before we get started on the podcast, I want to save you some big money with our sponsor, Continental Wholesale Diamond. So you found your soulmate. Congratulations, your head is probably swimming with excitement and plans for the future. And not just the proposal. What about the engagement ring? Do you want to surprise her when you propose, or are you going to shop for it together? Well, no matter what you decide about the how, the where is the easy part. Guys, go visit my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where you're going to find the most exquisite diamond engagement and wedding rings anywhere. You'll see brilliant diamonds in every cut imaginable. They have loose diamonds as well as those mounted in precious metals. And the best thing is that you're going to pay wholesale. That's the key here. When you come in, Andy's going to pour you a nice scotch. He's going to show you whatever catches your eye. He's going to help you decide what would be the perfect diamond for your fiancé while being respectful for your price range. Plus, you're going to learn the finer points of shopping for diamonds in the process. they got brilliant diamonds. You can't imagine how good these things are. Please go see my friend Andy. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. You're going to save a ton of money. And it's where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. So, man, tough weekend for the Rays. They lose 3 of 4 to the Mariners. The only win came on Saturday, 7-3. to That was the first time they've shook hands, I guess, since May 30th, I believe it was. Blake Snell, he still is the guy, right? He continues to be impressive. Um, and And the thing about him on Saturday was he didn't have his best stuff. No,
1: he, he really, really had the fastball.
0: That was it. That was it. And he still managed to win. He allowed seven hits. He walked two. He only struck out one. Uh, a couple of wild pitches. He hit a batter. He hit a batter. First time in
1: That's his career. That's never happened. First time in his career.
0: You know what I have to say about that? He's not throwing inside no. enough. <laughs> well, we've,
1: we've, said that, we've said that for a long time. They, the Rays pitchers as a whole don't throw inside enough. And Blake Snell yeah. has been one who's always basically given you the inside part of the plate. So uh, it's a good thing. I mean, you're not trying to hit anybody.
0: No, but no. if
1: you're throwing inside and you're and you're trying to take that inside part of the plate and claim it as yours, you're going
0: to hit some yeah. people sometimes. Especially with his velocity, and uh, I know Seattle kind of took offense to it because it wasn't it wasn't a good hit by pitch, you know, where it struck the batter. But anyway, um, he manages to win the game. Uh, look, he's their all star. He's now eight and three. His ERA is two point three zero. In fact, the Rays. I mean, you talk about you know what's happening, good and bad for them. They're one of only three teams in Major League Baseball, I think, since the middle of May, May sixteenth or something of thereabouts, with a team ERA under three. The other is the Cubs and the Mariners. So they've been doing a, a decent job of, of uh, you know, keeping the the scores low at least. But um, I tell you, in that game too, there was uh, the best thing that happened was there was an awful collision between Jake Bowers and Carlos oh, Gomez. That was scary. Somehow they both got up. That was incredible. And, and, and I, I somehow Carlos held on to the ball. And he caught it. Yeah. But both of them could have been down and out for a while. And, you know, Bowers just got here, and that would have been devastating for them to lose one or both of those guys. But uh, they managed to hang on, and, and uh, Gomez made a hell of a catch. But, you know, Sunday's game, well, let's get into that. That was a, a tough one for the Rays. So they're down 5-4 to four with two outs in the ninth, and Johnny Field's on first after a single. And Carlos Gomez, it's a blooper to shallow right. That drops right in front of uh, Mitch Hanniger, the, the right fielder for the Mariners. So a couple things happen on the play. I mean, Field is busting it um, pretty hard to third, but he's kind of looking over his shoulder. And, you know, Matt Cotrero sees that, you know, when, when Haniger slides, he kind of – he doesn't pick the ball up cleanly. You know, the first time he tries to grab it with his hand and then his glove. And – but as, you know, as Field is hitting third – He's got the stop sign up. So field kind of slows down, and then when he sees he doesn't pick the ball up, you know, Quotrero waves him home. Well, at that point, you know, it's, he's not very deep, right? This is really shallow right field, if not just over the second baseman's head, in a sense. It's maybe 120 feet from home plate. <clears throat> and, of course, he's out by a long shot, right? Easy throw, um, tags him standing up. Game over. So we've had a couple of these by Quatrell. I mean, you know, sometimes he sends them and, and gets them thrown out. And I mean, that's the life of a third-base coach. But he hasn't had a – I don't know what the percentage has been, but it hasn't been great. And this, they, this one stands out when the game ends with a guy.
1: Well, it, um, it stands out because it wasn't even close. If it's a bang-bang no. bang play – Oh, sure. I, I, tend to, I tend to believe be aggressive.
0: I I think, yes. I think
1: as a whole, third-base coaches aren't aggressive enough. I, I think in baseball. Force them to make a play. But right. if if and if it, if it's a bang bang play, the outfitter made a heck of a throw. Then you tip your cap and and good job. But yeah, when you're out by twenty thirty feet, yeah, I mean th- that's not being aggressive. That's that's not it's, it's reckless. Yeah, yeah, exactly what it is.
0: Yeah, it's, it's reckless and and they've had enough trouble running the bases on their own. They don't need that kind of help, if you will, from your third base coach, who's let's face it, aside from giving signs, okay. His primary job is the traffic cop. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's, you have one job. It's to you know, hold guys up or wave them home.
1: And well, the thing is, it, once
0: you've put that stop sign up
1: and the over. base runner's starting to slow down, unless it's, unless it's completely gone past the outfielder, you can't start sending them again. No. You know, and if, from if, that any, to, if anything, you want to be saying, go, 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 no, stop. Right. You a know. lot of times you'll see him hold
0: a guy up yeah, late, yeah. but he has time to if get back. If you've got the
1: stop sign up first... You, mm-hmm. you know, you, the, the base runner is slowing down, so it's hard for right. him to get the momentum back up to be at full speed again.
0: Sure. And I've seen I've seen third base coaches um, at every level, but uh, certainly in the major league levels they are halfway down, more than halfway sometimes down mm-hmm. the third base baseline oh, yeah. so that they have time, even if they've got them coming hard to hold them up and still get them back to third because the throw is usually going to come through to the plate. So you usually have that extra time. Even if it's cut off, maybe they have a chance to get you back Especially at third. Especially in
1: that situation with the game-tying run. They're not going to throw back to third. They're throwing it through. they're yeah, throwing, it, they're throwing it, through. it through. They're trying yeah, to stop absolutely. that run, period. They're not going to and throw behind them at third.
0: The other part of it that makes no sense is just there's no depth on the play. I mean, the guy's somewhere behind second base, right, mm-hmm. um, where the second baseman would play in right field. It's not as if he, he, he slid. Bobbled a ball in mid right field or deep right field or, uh, or even really a real outfield position. I mean, this was a, a bloop at best that, that probably should have been caught but wasn't. And at any point, if he picks the ball up, he's got an easy you well know, and, throw to and, home. And, you
1: know, I think it was Hannah in right field. Um, right. You know, he knew that, okay, Johnny Fields at first base, he's not going to score as long as I keep the ball in front of me. Sure. So, so he, didn't, he, he didn't he didn't go all out for the ball because it was more important to keep the ball in front of him than to let it get by him and let the, the tying run score. So right. he, you know he he slid down, but he didn't he didn't go all out for it to make sure the ball didn't get by him. As a third base coach, you've got to realize he did that. Right. That he's doing yeah, he's everything to, to keep prevent the front. ball from yeah, he's gonna keep it in front of him. Even if I don't catch it, I'm keeping it in front of me. And yes, the ball right. did boot away a little bit, but not very far.
0: Now I would say that. And Kevin Cash mentioned this that you know I mean obviously the, when the game ends that way, um, it's hard not to focus on that play and I and I think rightfully so because there was going to be another opportunity to drive in that run uh, or maybe even win the game because there's still you still got one out to play for, um, but in reality they had a three to one lead and Nathan Avaldi you know pitched into the sixth inning, the problem was that he gives up a two run bomb to Zanino, and he had thrown, I guess that was his 102nd pitch. Yeah, he
1: was not very efficient today. Um, he had 40-some pitches through the first two innings. Uh, you know, it was – I love his pace. He gets the ball and throws it. And so it, sometimes it doesn't feel like he's thrown as many as he does because he pitches so quickly. But he was not very efficient today at all. Um, you know, he, he held him down pretty much, gave up the two-run home run in the six, and then was pulled. But, uh, you know, he needs to be – You've got to get out quicker than what he's getting, the number of pitches.
0: Right. And no pitcher, I think, has gone past 114 this year for the Rays at any point. Um, Seattle, then, in the seventh, this is where the game fell apart. It's three to three now. And so, okay, so you've blown a three one lead, but you still have a shot. Jose Alvarado came in, could not throw a strike. Uh, And we've seen this now a couple times recently uh, where he, you know, he walks the first batter on four pitches. He threw seven straight pitches. to open the inning that were balls, and then he follows his first strike, and then it's three and one, and so Kyle Seeger on a three1 fastball just jumps on one that's sort of up and in, and he blasts it over the wall, and that's a five to three lead and that's those two home runs were you know were the mistakes that ended up costing them yeah, the Johnny field
1: the, the, the throwing out at home was not why they lost the game, but it took no. away an opportunity to tie it or or win the game. It took took away a good opportunity. Granted, you're facing, and, and, you know, uh, Cotrero uh, said at the end, you know, look, I'm I'm looking at a great closer, two outs, ninth, I Mm want to be aggressive. And and I have no fault with that, but that play, you know, it wasn't close.
0: Well, here's what, in fact, let's, let's, let's take a listen to both uh, Johnny Field, uh, Matt Quattro, and Kevin Cash, and here's what they had to say about that final play.
1: I was just running with my head down, um, going hard, not really knowing if it was going to fall in or not, and um, as I was kind of approaching third, Q was kind of
0: moving with me, and um, I was waiting for the call whether to go, go, go or not, and I heard him say, like, go, 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 and I think he, he told me afterwards that he saw the guy, I didn't see the
1: play, but I think he saw the guy bobble the ball, and I guess it happened to kick right back to him and he, he came up and made a perfect throw. So I think in that situation, we're just looking to be aggressive. And he thought that with a
0: kickoff that would be tougher and to pick it up and put it right on the plate like he did there. So it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I saw him on the ground, and I thought, you know, ninth inning, two outs, good closer on the mound, good base runner with speed, take a chance. Obviously, turned out to be bad judgment on my part, but – it's just the way the play turned out. He made a good throw, and obviously, he wasn't close.
1: It was over aggressive, but saying that, we got a lot of guys that are trying to do a lot right now to, to impact us in a positive way. Uh, you know, it's his judgment. I think he said, or I think he recognized it, thought maybe he could beat a throw if it took a perfect throw, but, um, you know, it was just one of those maybe a tick over aggressive that. That you'd probably, with Joey coming up, maybe stay put and see if he could put a good swing on something.
0: Tell you what, the Rays are just a streaky team, and you know we've seen this now where they've lost eight twice, they've they've won six, they've won, you know, uh, I, I mean they, they won This eight. is what they do. They've won they've eight, won the eight before, yeah. So they go back and forth. But here's the key thing, and Martin Finley wrote about this a little bit. You've talked about it here for weeks. Is that, um, you know, against the bad teams, they're eighteen and nine. They're eighteen and nine against teams that are below five hundred. Um, but they've played 26 games against teams that are, would, would make the postseason or in position right now. And against those teams, they're 5-21, including now 1-6 against the Mariners and 4-9 and against the Red Sox. They can't beat bet, the better ball clubs. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of their situation right now.
1: It's kind of what we um, thought going into the season. You, know, you and I talked at the beginning of the season. We never thought they could hit enough to beat the good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, never thought they could string enough good hits together. That's gonna that's gonna beat solid pitching. Seattle's got great pitching. You know Paxton today. Uh, you know the Rays actually beat Felix Hernandez. I think that was the first time they've ever beaten him. Yeah, uh, on Saturday's game. Uh, granted, he's not the same pitcher he was, but he's still a pretty good pitcher. Boston, you know, from Sale to Porcello to Price. Um, you know, when they when you've got good pitching, this Rays team has trouble stringing together enough hits to win. And that's what and we kind of big, thought at the getting beginning getting the of the season, hits. which is why they were predicted to be 500 or below at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, and they're below. <laughs> Obviously, they're below now. Um, but now, you know, they're in the middle of this terrible stretch that we talked about, and that is that, they okay, after the Blue Jays, their series with the Blue Jays coming up, they finish the month, and they end up uh, play going into July, they play a combined 16 straight games against the Yankees, the Nationals, and Houston Astros. And all those teams are combined fifty games over five hundred. <laughs> so, good luck, Rays. Also, some more bad news. Although, if you're a Willie Adams fan, this might be, I guess, good news for you. But uh, Daniel Robertson was hurt. He was uh, kind of tweaked his hamstring. I guess he was breaking for a foul ball earlier in the game, and then uh, when he got up to the plate, uh, tried to try to get out of the box and and felt the hamstring again. So. You know, as Lovey Smith would say, a hamstring. I don't. You know, that could be. Who knows how long a hamstring now is going to yeah, be. After the game, growing. he
1: said he didn't think it was that bad. He wasn't sure at the time. He's never really felt that before, so wanted to be caught. You know, take precaution on that, but doesn't think it's going to be too bad.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, it, still... meanwhile, Adani Echeverria is getting ready to go on a rehab assignment. Right. He's close. I mean, they got a problem. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to decide what to do if they're going to bring is up. And when Robertson is back, um, and I don't know if he's going to miss time or not, but let's say even if he goes on a 10-0, at some point you've got really too many too many infielders, right?
1: Well, I think if Adamas comes up, you're going to see Christian Arroyo go down to make sure he continues to get playing time.
0: Um, That's true.
1: You're gonna, if you're calling up Adamas, and, and Mark Topkin You know, in the paper on Sunday basically said it's coming, not sure when, but very soon. Um, he's going to mm-hmm. play short almost every day, just like Jake Bowers is playing first almost every day. Which means Robertson and Wendell are going to platoon at second, I would assume, yeah. which is what was the plan at the beginning of the year. And then Duffy's got third. Robertson and Wendell could also back up to give, you know, uh, Adamus or Duffy a day off here and there too in the platoon situation. So they're not just every other day, essentially. Um, you know, you might give Duffy a day a week off, Adamus as well.
0: Along those lines, we mentioned uh, you know Jake Bowers coming up. The Rays officially. Moved on from Brad Miller. They traded him to the Brewers in exchange for a minor league first baseman, G-Man Choi. Did you
1: see his last hit in the majors? No. Just on Friday. A pinch hit, grand slam. (laughs) Nice. And then got sent down after the game.
0: Well, he's hit two (laughs) oh one last season with just nine home runs, and he was batting two fifty six with five home runs before he was – no, that's Miller, I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, that was Miller before he was designated. And then Choi – I guess he well, he's twenty seven. This is mm-hmm. his, his fourth team in the big leagues in three yeah. years. No, so someone Angels, I can't I, I can't
1: remember who said this, but he's a former Mariners prospect. So is this a is this another Ray's Mariners trade? <laughs> I, I, did, I can't take credit for it, but I don't remember who said that on Twitter that I saw, so I apologize. I mean the
0: teams him. he's actually played in the majors for are the Angels, Yankees, and Brewers. so Correct. I don't maybe yeah. he started with yeah, Joe, he did. but he did. uh born in South Korea, one ninety one average in seventy two major league games, nine home runs. 157 at bats, so he was uh, he was on the uh, AAA Colorado but Springs But a pinch hit team, grand slam just
1: Friday night in his last
0: nice game for the Brewers. So before he was sent yeah. down. Well, this makes Bowers, you know, with the Miller thing, this makes him the everyday first baseman. I would assume. Um, yeah, I mean, CJ Crone has
1: basically been playing uh, DH since
0: Bowers has yeah. come up, and he had another home run today. Yep. So what was that? 14 He's got 15, for him 15 now? on the year now. 15, not yep. bad not bad. Unfortunately, they don't have anybody else to get home runs, but that's that's sort of where they're at. So, we'll see how the Rays uh, manage to go moving forward, but uh, they got the series coming up with Toronto. It's been it's been a tough sledding for them, man. You lose 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of streaks that are hard to come back mm-hmm. from, and they've done it a couple of times this year. So, Kevin Cash will have to uh, see if he can pull them out of it. And speaking of the, Ra- the bo- speaking
1: of the Rays, did you see Sergio Romo's giving a bunch of gifts away to the team? So Sergio Romo, if you remember, was let go and kind of wasn't sure he'd stay in baseball. And the Rays picked him up last year. Kind of a reclamation project. He did really well. And then the Rays brought him back again this year. Well, Monday he hits 10 years in the major leagues, which I believe gets you a full pension. Uh, But he's just so thankful to be here and says this is the happiest he's been. And back in baseball and, and doing well that he bought drones and scooters and Bluetooth speakers and all kinds of cool stuff and had all the players, his teammates, had the clubhouse guys, everybody else pick numbers out of a, a bucket or something, and that corresponded to what they got. him. Mean, he had lines of scooters up in the hall and drones and all this stuff and gave out gifts to everybody, just so thankful for everything. It was really cool. You can read about him in the Tampa Bay Times, and it's on tampabay.com.
0: He's a good dude, man. I've heard him on Inside uh, the Rays and, and some of the stuff he does. Um, you know, we listen to him talk. I mean, he has been around 10 years, a long time, to pitch in the majors, but um – yeah, that's neat. Uh, maybe they can use those scooters on the bases, man. <laughs> I've, I've never well, seen. Does, a does team, it tell seriously. you when, does,
1: when to tell you when to go and not? Go? I mean, well, it has we, a red light t- and we, a green light. We were yeah. talking before though. Jake Bowers is on on at at second base, and a ball yeah, gets, he got, runs, hits behind it, him to the shortstop, and he goes in front to third. Of yeah, it's yeah. in front of him. And but gets, I mean, you know, and he runs, and you, you can't with run one in that out situation. Yeah, with one out, no, you can't.
0: You cannot make it out there. And the thing is, is it that's. That's baseball 101. I mean, that's not being aggressive. That's being stupid. I hate to say it. I mean, it's like you can't say, and Kevin Cash says, well, he's, you know, he's only been in the majors now. For Forget that. The guy's played baseball his whole life. How do he get here? You learn, you learn at amateur ball, if anybody worth their salt is coaching you, that when you're on second base with less than two out and the ball is hit in front of you, anything on the left side, the ball, They always say it, make sure the ball goes through. Yep. You've got to see it go through into the outfield before you break um you know you may have a guy dive and have no play at first and you could run yourself right out of the inning you know and 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 with a little flip to third it's one of the easiest plays in the big leagues i I just i can't and they they run the bases like they don't know the game and and um this has happened all year and cash talks about well we're trying to emphasize we're going to emphasize it it's you're not being overly aggressive
1: this leads me back to you know what are they learning in the minors Nothing. What are what are? I mean, granted, not all these players grew, came up in the race system and, and everything else, but you know, th- once you get to the big leagues, these basic stuff shouldn't be what Kevin Cash and his coaching staff are teaching you. Nope. This is, I mean, you know, when to when to hold at second when you know when the ball's hit to your left side or right side. That's not that's not what they should be teaching at this level. You should know nope. that already.
0: I agree. I, I I've never seen like I said, I I I don't know where they lead, you know, they keep these numbers about outs you make on the bases. And the Rays have done this before where they've led the majors in that category. But man, oh man, this year, um, they've run themselves not just out of innings but out of games.
1: And they have they have the wins above replacement war stat. I wonder if they have runs below running below replacement or something of, you know,
0: outs on the bases. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do keep stats in terms of number of outs you make. Uh, base running now whether it says you know great play here stupid idea there Um, and again I'm all for aggressiveness you know and it goes back to the whole idea of um, you know trying trying to score field but not that close to home plate I mean again understand where the ball Mm -hmm. is in the situation that is not a hard play a major leaguer is going to make a throw from from shallow right field to home plate on a line and it
1: was an easy throw he got up and took his time with the throw oh yeah he 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 had him
0: he was out by he was out by I don't know thirty feet. It, w- it was uh, you know he could have almost gotten a rundown. It was out so bad.
1: Well, that that was actually we were talking about that after the game. I'm like, if you're going to be out by thirty feet and it's the last out of the game and you're down a run, why aren't pull you? Up. Why aren't you starting a rundown? You never but know, you know if they drop up. the ball.
0: Yeah, I mean that's your only hope at that yeah. point. You can't run over the catcher anymore. I no. mean, you can't go Ray Fossey on him.
1: No, and and you shouldn't. Yeah. I mean I'm all for the player safety. That's fine, but and yeah. you know Field wasn't going to dislodge the ball from Zanino. So why why, why
0: aren't you going to start a rundown? I mean, you've got nothing left. I don't know. He just gave himself up. And at that point, I mean, I, you know, I understand he can't, you know, I don't put
1: that on Johnny field, but you know, I hope they're talking about it afterwards. And in the future that happens, start the rundown, Stay alive. You know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You
0: get out. He's going to tag you anyway. You're going to run right into it. Yeah. So that was hard to watch. Hard to watch. But, uh, you know, we'll see what the Rays do from here. They're not the only team that's uh, playing, but not playing uh, real games, at least, uh, just practice right now. The Bucks are going to begin their rookie minicamp on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. This is the mandatory mini camp, not to be confused with OTAs, which are voluntary. Uh, this one is also closed to the public, so don't at me and, and see if, the, if you can go watch, because you can't. Um, we will be there, however, in force, I'm told, we'll have a full staff and some interns and cast of thousands, so that we'll give you lots of news on TampaBay.com as well as this podcast. We think Jason Pierre-Paul will be there as well. You know, it's funny. um, They made the trade for him with the Giants, and from what I understand, he didn't miss OTAs in New York, but that said, he has not really participated in even one OTA um, since he was traded to Tampa Bay, which is odd because he's actually closer to home now here in Florida. Um, But he'll supposedly be there. When uh, when when they come in and, and have to practice on Tuesday, well, if not, he can get the, fined. Correct? Yeah, he can get fined. Anybody that doesn't show up now is, is subject to fines. And uh, you know, I look. This is the the Bucks' stance is this, and they don't really talk about it because it's voluntary. But up to this point, but they're, they're disappointed. Okay, that Pierre Paul has chose not to attend OTAs. Um, having said all that, um, it's not unusual for a veteran player, especially one that's twenty nine years old. Um, that keeps himself in pretty good shape, or at least that's been JPP's. Yeah, but MO you, would th- to, you would think skip the workouts.
1: It's one thing if you know Deshaun Jackson missed one or two this this year, you know. But he mm-hmm. he's in your system. He knows your players. He knows the playbook. Right. You know, this is a new. I mean, he's a veteran, but it's a new guy coming in. You'd really like him, at least be there for some of them to, to learn him, the defense. Yeah.
0: I mean, learn the defense. The learn yeah. your teammates. Learn the coaches. Right, and that's the thing about the defensive line. I mean, you know, it's it's it's. I mean, I guess it's different. Like, if you're a running back, you're just a running back, right? I mean, you need to learn the plays, obviously, and get into your playbook. But you know, defensive line is one of those things where there's a lot of rotation. You're playing next to a lot of different guys. Um, you do have you know various calls, um, stunts, and and games that you call, and and you know. Certain ways that uh, defense coordinators want you to play, and and he's going to be behind. Uh, not to say he can't catch up, but I think you know, it, the 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 older the player gets, and we've seen this. You know, Brent Grimes, who's thirty five, you know, has been there, but he's missed a couple, a couple weeks. I think. Of course, Deshaun Jackson kind of does his own thing. He's been there more this year than he was last season, even when he was when he was new to the Bucks. Um, but it's again, it's not you know, it's not totally unusual for guys to skip they have their own routine and, and that sort of thing. But if you're new to the team, and here's the other thing, which I, honest to goodness, I hope I'm, I, I would love to be this rich one day, but it will never happen. But Jason Pierre-Paul and his contract that they got from the Giants that he's now playing under with the Bucks includes a workout bonus of $250,000 that he just said, eh, I'm good. Can you imagine that? If you show up, you get paid a quarter million dollars. To essentially volunteer, which really doesn't to make play it volunteer, in the it makes yes, for two hours a day. I mean, yeah, you got to do the classroom stuff, but like your longest day is, I don't know. You could pay me less than three. a tenth
1: of that, and I'd show up.
0: Yeah, well, we work for a lot less than that. <laughs> Believe me, um, there's quite a few less zeros, but um, but yeah, man, it's just it's, you know that's in addition to not learning the defense and all that you lose a quarter of a million dollars. We'll see who's going to be there, and I would expect all of them. But uh, now it's noteworthy because, um, you know, they will be fined if, if they're not. Uh, they had a, When I was out there last week uh, on Thursday, the OTAs were open to us. They got a lot of red zone week last week. Uh, they had um, four days, and so they, they went to it at that. Uh, one thing you're going to see a little bit that they've been working on, and I think they're probably going to do some of it, is run pass options down there. Saw a lot of it with the Eagles last year, and it was fairly successful. And we watched Jameis Winston one time in practice on Thursday, just completely, um, you know, suck in the defense, and, and he basically ran twenty yards untouched for for a score when they were doing some red zone work. So um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's a copycat league, as Dirk Cutter said. Also notable from uh, last Thursday's uh, workout, <laughs> if you follow my Twitter feed. Look, Gerald McCoy jumped off sides one time, and he got chewed out rather loudly by Brenson Buckner, their new defensive line coach, and it was caught on camera. Um, and so this got on Twitter, and it became a kind of a thing. People were kind of, like, mentioning it. And, you know, most, most of the people were kind of like, oh, good. You know, like, Buckner's going to hold him accountable. We've heard a lot about lack of accountability last year, of course, and, um, you know, the whole thing that kind of deteriorated with Chris Baker at the end of the season in the Carolina game, who jumped offsides after he was told, don't jump offsides, uh, and now he's no longer here. And McCoy's always been that guy that has such a good get off that sometimes you think he's offsides and, and he doesn't get called for it. But um, I think last year he might have only had one penalty or two penalties. I think I read very... two
1: penalties. One was accepted, one was declined.
0: Yeah, he was he wasn't a big offender for them, and he's pretty disciplined. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think the whole point of it was for Buckner – And for most coaches, or a lot of coaches, is that, um, you know, I I can't have this from even, you know, from my six time Pro Bowl. And in a way, and I talked to Noah Spence after practice about this, and I talked to Vinny Curry. Both of those guys mentioned Buckner and how much respect this has been a theme throughout the offseason. And I know they got a lot of new defensive linemen, but how much respect they have for Buckner because he was a former player. He played 12 years in the NFL, and that's rare to find a position coach Yeah, he wasn't just a player. Days. He was a solid player. When you he played 12 a, years
1: in the NFL, that's, not, that's not a cup of coffee where you just were there for a year or two and then went to coaching.
0: 12 no, years. Went, to, went and played in two Super Bowls, one for the Steelers and one for the Panthers, and was part of a Panther defensive line that gave the Bucks fits after the 0-2 season. He's told the story. He came down and watched the Bucks play you know, at Raymond James Stadium against the 49ers. Um, and uh, you know, went back home to to Carolina, told those guys like Julius Peppers and Mike Rucker, we need to be like the Bucks defense. We need to be the ones that drive the bus here on the defensive line. The next year, they did it and went to a Super Bowl. Damn near beat the Patriots. Um, Adam Vinatieri won that game in Houston. So um, you know, it was uh, he's he was a hell of a player. He's done a good job at Arizona. Now he comes to Tampa Bay, and you know, so he got a little loud and, and his whole thing was, you know, I pulled these other guys out of practice when they jumped off sides. I can't have, you know, you. And and what the players said after the practice was, look, he doesn't care who you are. Six time Pro Bowl, it doesn't matter. You know, he's gonna he's gonna demand accountability and, and those are all good things. You know, this is what the offseason is. It's setting a standard. He has a certain standard, he's gonna make sure. So he got loud. And it's not unusual. For defensive line coaches or assistant coaches, whatever, to get loud, and so I got it. There was this little thing with one of our staffers, Thomas Bassinger, who was. We were back and forth, and and I don't want to put words in his mouth. You can read it, but like Thomas's take was, yelling is stupid. You know, it doesn't do anything. Play tunes, you know, players tune it out. It's I'll, basic t- I'll tell
1: Bill Belichick that because every year I see tape of him yelling at Tom Brady.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, every all year. that matters. Every year he does. I, all that matters is if you win, right? Because I mean, if you're just a yeller and a screamer and you lose, then you're just out of control and you're, you're a maniac. If you do it and you well, win, then you're 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 called a disciplinarian. Th- there's but, a
1: different. There's a difference of yelling and screaming all the time, and this is what you do, you know, every time on the practice field. To okay, we've got a problem. I'm calling it out and getting right. your attention. There's and that's a, what this
0: was. Absolutely. This was a teaching moment. Absolutely. You know, this was. Look, I've, I'm going to set the standard right here using my best player as an example. You know, there there used to be – you know, coaches have methods to their madness all the time. You Absolutely. Know? Um, they're psychologists example. more than anything. Well, they are. I mean, in this – like, okay, this is how it went with Bill Walsh. And then it got passed down to Mike Holman did the same thing, where Walsh would not yell at Montana. mm hmm no, nope. but he would he would chew Holman's butt out because Holman coached the quarterbacks and Walsh would be all over him, uh, or, or 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 you know, whoever was the quarterback's coach at the time, and he would do it in front of the quarterbacks and say, You know, what the what the heck are we doing here? What did you you know, why can't you get this guy to, to do this? This is your fault. This is all and if you like the quarterback's coach, the players were like, Holy holy gosh. We're in, you know, we're, we're going to put this guy's job in jeopardy. So when Holman got to Green Bay, and I've talked to Steve Mariucci about this, he was the quarterback's coach for Favre, and Holmgren wouldn't scream at Favre, but he dog-cussed Mariucci in front yep. of Favre. Yep. And Favre would feel like crap. Favre would be like, sorry, Steve, and then, you know, then Mariucci. And, and Steve knew the routine because he had seen it happen with Walsh, and so that, that was their it's, way. It's good cop, bad cop. Yeah, well, in this instance, what's better? You want him, for you want them to
1: def- like your quarterback coach and hate the coach. That's right.
0: And what's better now in this case for a a new defensive line coach to call out, well, they deserved it or not, but to call out the best player on the team or the best player on the defensive line, so that hey, if you're gonna hold, if you're gonna do that with that guy, then I know I have to fall in line, and yep. you're not, and, and you're holding everyone to the same standard. It was a great. Sort of almost deliberate moment. And McCoy knew what was going on. I haven't talked to Gerald about it, but I'm sure when he's I do. He's smart enough to know exactly what was going He knows on. exactly what was happening. And, you know, to say that he's going you know, at one point Thomas quoted Tony Dungy to me, which um, remind you that I met Tony Dungy in 95. But, um, you know, the thing about Tony, he had his way of coaching, but he also hired Rod Marinelli. And Joe Marciano as a special teams coach. Marinelli is a defensive line coach, best in the NFL still. And I'm telling you, I thought everything those two guys said, Ryan, with tucking. Um, it was, I mean, seriously, I I never heard them speak normally to a player. Uh, and yet, you know, you had a first-time, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer and Warren Sapp that credits most of his career to him. So, um, you know, it's, look, it's football, <laughs> okay? Uh, it's, they, there's been coaches yell at players since they were in eighth grade or eight years old. In my past,
1: it's, I got to work with Bob Huggins. Bob oh, Huggins goodness. was a coach at the University of Cincinnati. He's now the head coach at West Virginia University in college basketball. Yeah, he screamed himself into a heart attack. Yeah, well, drank himself into one. But well, that too. But um, I got to I got to travel with the team some. I got to work with the team for many years. And for three hours a day on the court, he would dog cuss his team and yell and scream and challenge them and make them better. But what mm-hmm. you don't see is the 21 hours off the court. That's right. That was completely he got, different. He was hugging them up. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And and you know. The players knew and understood for those three mm-hmm. hours, you come to work and you're mm-hmm. going to work and you're not going to, you're not going to make mistakes. You're not, you know, we're going to, we're going to practice perfection and, and work our butts off, but you don't yeah. see. And I got to see how the players react with him off the court. Right. And to this day, you can't find a former player Huggins that doesn't love him.
0: Well, look, a player, all I know about players is, especially at the professional level is they want you to make them better, mm-hmm. you know, cause this is their job. This is how they feed their family. They, and they want you to be coached hard. They want to be coached. The great ones want yell, to be coached hard. Doesn't mean hard.
1: yelling, but they want to be coached hard. They, no, want, they, they want to be better.
0: They want to be held accountable, and they want you to, to put them in positions where they're successful, and they want you to, you know, to hold everybody, you know, to to the same standard. And and look, not every, that doesn't mean every guy's treated the same, because that really that rarely happens, right? Well, and every um, these, player every player reacts differently.
1: You should coach every player differently.
0: You should coach them all different, but. In as much as the accountability part goes, you know. They should all be accountable at the be... same level, but you coach them differently. Right, exactly. And, and my, my so, guess is Buckner I, knew McCoy was fine with that. Well, if he didn't, he probably shouldn't be around. I mean, Buckner right. or McCoy, because, I mean, but again, Gerald, I mean, he played at Oklahoma, for gosh sakes. You don't think Bob Stoops yelled mm-hmm. at him? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, this, you know, this, I don't, I don't know where, you know, this became a thing even on Twitter, but I, I just, you know, it's just kind of silly to me because I was there and I, I knew exactly what was happening. And I talked to both Vinnie Curry and Noah Spence, who mentioned the very episode both times. So whatever. That's the end of that. Um, but that, that all took place last Thursday. So we just wanted to mention it. Um, also, uh, farewell to uh, the Cavaliers and maybe LeBron from the Cavaliers. Golden State Warriors. They get they sweep the Cavaliers. This is their third NBA title in four years, Steve, um, and that means it's a dynasty. And you know when you got the kind of cast of, of players that Golden State has, with Kevin Durant, who was the MVP again, and Steph Curry. Well, a, and I Drew believe Long he's Green. a free agent or can opt out. He is a he can opt out. He says he is. He told Rachel Nichols of ESPN that um, he will be back. Uh, his his only goal is to you know get the contract done and, and stay at Golden State, but I don't know the about LeBron. The question is, will they take a pay cut so LeBron can come there? <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, I don't I, – I, is there room? I mean, that wouldn't even be right, right? I mean, that would totally – I was just about to ask the question, is this good for the NBA? Because, you know, you have now these super teams, which are going to keep trying to Lem- form. Let me drop obviously- a stat on you. Let me drop
1: a stat on you. Of the 72 NBA titles – of them have been won by five franchises.
0: Almost 70%. Seven out of 10. 50 out of
1: 72. Wow. By the Celtics, the Lakers, Mm -hmm. the Bulls, the Warriors, and the
0: Spurs. Yeah. They
1: have won 50 out of 72.
0: So the super teams are not necessarily anything new to the NBA. No. Good organizations win, and those are the good organizations. And they're, they're able to accrue talent and keep it. I like Steve Kerr. I mean, Steve Kerr is now going to find himself as a Hall of Fame coach. I think he won five, four or five rings with the Bulls as a player. He's now won three as a head coach. I think he was
1: with three with the Bulls. He might have won one somewhere else.
0: Oh, San Antonio he won one, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. So he's got a ton of rings, but now he's got three with uh, with Golden State. Um, it's good drama when they get together. I mean, I wonder what would have happened if this series – I don't think the Cavs win this series because they didn't have the players, obviously – um, But did you see where you know lebron well, what if j- what if
1: j. r. Smith doesn't forget the score
0: well yeah, and they I win mean, they he, win game one, I think it changes things doesn't it well, I mean for, we two, don't know. for two reasons
1: one they would have yeah, been up one, nothing
0: yeah the second one lebron doesn't hit a grease board I mean he smashed his hand that was the whole thing, like nobody figured it out at the end of the series that he had a a contusion or maybe you know possible fracture, but he was so upset that he he went in after the game and smashed the grease board. And his right hand, they had pictures of it being you know, all swollen up and stuff. And um, too bad they didn't use the grease board to write their score down so that uh, J.R. Smith would know it. But I, I, if they win that game, anything is possible. Maybe you know they get out of there 1-1. Um, maybe it's a different tone when they get back to Cleveland. But I think this is it for LeBron. I don't, see, I don't think he trusts the ownership there. He went back. He won a title. Well, they have no um, talent on that team. And I don't think they have. I don't think they're any good at accruing it either. And I don't know how committed the ownership is to getting it. I mean, I'm sure on one hand he would love to stay there. That's that's that means more to him playing in Cleveland than it would maybe somewhere else. But he left once, so it's not like this would be a huge shock well, for him. And a, this time he did Cavalier bring a title fans. to them.
1: So if he leaves, they it's won not one, like yeah. he abandoned the town. He did bring them a no, the title.
0: He came back and he won one, and they can see what he was up against these last couple of years, and he managed to win one a year ago. So um we're thinking what san antonio maybe houston perhaps the lakers lakers
1: are always a possibility because you could build your own super team and you're playing for magic johnson and the marketing possibilities and he's got a home in la
0: yeah well that makes sense and golden state's still i mean who knows Uh, only if they were to lose i don't think they can afford them i don't see any way they can afford players want to take pay cuts uh would you if you're lebron james no way
1: LeBron, LeBron could take the biggest pay cut of all because he makes. I mean, what he makes from the NBA is so small compared to what he makes everywhere else.
0: Granted, but I, I still don't think you say, you know what? I'll do anything and take three million dollars or ten million. million yeah, I mean, get I don't, I, I don't think he takes a
1: huge pay cut. But would Durant? Would Curry? Would Clay Thompson? He never has.
0: Look, he could have done that with Cleveland. He never has. Yeah, in his career. So I don't think he starts now. But we'll see. Um, or, or does he
1: stay in the East somewhere and put his own super team together? Does he...
0: Well, and that's the thing. If he goes to the West, he, he's not guaranteed a trip to the finals like he was in the East. I mean, no matter mm-hmm. where he showed up in the East, he was going to go play somebody. But now... No, but he could join a more
1: talented get... team that's got you a better chance to get to the finals.
0: Well, possibly. But let, let's say you go to San Antonio. you got to beat both Houston and Golden State. Or if you go to Houston, you know you still have to get past Golden State just to get to the finals. He's been to eight straight. Maybe he'll come um, to Orlando. But... <laughs> All right. This conversation just ended. Uh, with that, we'll move on. Hey, the biggest thing of the weekend, seriously, uh, and this was voted by millions, I think, was how about your, how about your horse, Justify, winning the Triple Crown the second time, what, in three years now, there's been a Triple Crown so, winner. American Pharaoh did it in 2015. So the question is is this
1: as big of a deal because it was just done three years ago? When, when, yes. When, when American Pharaoh won it three years ago, it was what, 30. 1978, yes. affirmed. So 37 years in between. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Couple years, couple so, generations. Yeah,
1: 37 years in between. The last time we had, you know, and at that point, you had Secretary at 73, you had Seattle Slew at 77, and Firmed in 78. So you had three and six seasons, essentially. And then you went 37 years without. So American Fair was a boom. huge deal. Mm-hmm. Did Justify feel as big? I mean, I know the television <laughs> yes. broadcast was trying to make it
0: feel that way, but. I mean, maybe not because people just saw one, two, two, three years ago. I mean, I get that, but like, it's still only the thirteenth time it's ever happened. Yeah. I mean, if you can count on both hands and one foot, I guess um, the number of times something has happened in the world, I think, I think that's special. I mean, this horse is, has raced only six oh, times. He's a phenomenal horse, and and you know Perhaps he's going to have a heck lost. for retirement. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I think they said the uh, the difference between winning the Triple Crown and not winning is about eighteen to twenty million dollars. Um, and he went wire to wire
1: this one too. Yeah. He and did. How,
0: how about the second place horse? No one expected Gronkowski. The place.
1: Gronkowski. Yeah. And and I'll paraphrase his quote after the <laughs> the uh, the race. They asked him about the horse, and he said, "Well, he's big, he's fast, he's handsome, he's the yeah, he's a lot like me." <laughs> yeah. Knew that was coming.
0: And he's not going to OTAs. Um, well, he owns a horse now who just took second in the the Belmont stakes. Speaking of which, and we didn't haven't talked about this and we're running a little long at this point, but uh, how about Julian Edelman of the New England Patriots now getting the four-game PED suspension and saying, I'm not sure how this happened. Well, I'll tell you how it happened. <laughs> You took some PEDs and then you tested positive. Let's well, see what, it. what happened that, was. what happened was was that Alex. Now this whole, you know, remember this this whole Alex Guerrero, the trainer, you know, the whole Edelman's a client, I believe. One, of, I guess he uses multiple. And then you know, Guerrero put out a statement saying, "Well, you know, we can we can't. We're, it's not. I'm not the only trainer he goes to. Blah blah blah." This is just. I'm sure this is wearing very well with Belichick right about now. Because they've already kicked Guerrero out of the facility. Maybe he's going to yell you a know, little more at practice this year. Uh, maybe. Yeah, good point. Uh, Tom Brady didn't want to get yelled at. That's why he hasn't been at OTAs. He came back for the mandatory mini camp. Um, so, yeah, the rift, the rift gets wider. But uh, yeah, they're going to miss Edelman for four. Not like missing Brady for four, but still. I'm sure they'll find another guy to catch passes for him.
1: They'll trade for Adam Humphreys.
0: He's available. No, actually, I don't know if he's a bill. After this year, he might be, though. From what I understand, he turned down a pretty good extension to uh, to remain a uh, an RFA. So we'll see what happens when he hits free agency. Anyway, busy, busy weekend. Um, man, tough loss for the Rays. The Bucks. of course, we will have all week.
1: You missed my favorite story of the
0: weekend. What was that?
1: I'm not a huge Alex Ovechkin fan, but I am now.
0: Oh, yeah, I mentioned Ovi. It's been crazy. guy's lost his mind. It's he's lost crazy. his mind. Crazy.
1: He's doing cake stands out of the cup. He's
0: sleeping with the cup. Yeah, I mean, it started in Las Vegas that night, right? I mean, that's when it all began. And, you
1: you know, like there's anything to do in Vegas at night.
0: Well, and as, I mean, you know, the parts they could show, I'm sure, I'm sure guys have videotaped that are much worse than what I've seen from Las Vegas. But, you know, it did, it did make it around the town. Let's just say that. And he was drinking out of it and uh, as, you know, And and it looks like he's been on the biggest bender that you could possibly have as as a professional athlete, and you know, kind of right there with him is TJ Oshie and all these guys, and it's been hilarious. But it's it's also all
1: the fans. I mean, they're taking it out in the streets. Oh yeah, the Nationals game. They're doing cake stands out of it. They threw out the first pitch.
0: Cake stands, running in fountains, doing fountain angels or whatever. He was shirtless. You know, it's just been wild. I mean, I'm I'm a little worried about him at this point. To be honest with you, I think something <laughs> bad's going to happen. I know they have a guy that takes care of the cup, but is there anybody to take care of Ovechkin? I mean, <laughs> I think the should. Capitals should, uh, should hire one. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. I mean, he seriously, he's losing his mind. This this does not look healthy to me. But talk about a guy! That I know he waited a long time. I mean, you know, well, the whole he city deserves- has, and the whole city's
1: gotten behind him, which is which is awesome to see. I mean. Like I said I'm not yeah. a Capitals fan. I was never the biggest Ovechkin fan. I think he's a tremendous player, but just right. never a big fan of. But you know, seeing this but if side you of like sports, now, seeing this side yeah. of him now, I love this. This is fantastic.
0: Yeah. And if you like sports, you have to feel good for somebody who's put as much into it as that plays at such a high level as he did. And then I thought, put the team on his back and won that well, cup. For how I many mean, years have we said he's the best player ever to win a cup? Right, and now we're going to say it about Stamkos. It's awesome. Now, oh, yeah, now let's
1: let's let, let's let that be Stephen Stamkos next year, going to the Rays games, doing keg stamps yeah. out of the cup.
0: something tells me that Stamkos won't be doing snow angels and fountains <laughs> anywhere around Tampa. But that's, I don't know if that's his personality. Um, but yeah, it's been fun to watch. You are right. That was the best story, and I mentioned that earlier. So, anything else? You think we've exhausted the weekend? Oh, what do you think?
1: Uh, sad news for USF. Uh, one of their mem- original members of the team, Kenyatta Jones. Uh, oh yeah, died over the weekend or uh, at age thirty
0: nine. Age thirty nine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: the first uh, yeah. USF player drafted.
0: Right, played for New England. Um, Gotten a little bit of trouble, you know. But heck, man, that's just a that's a horrible thing. Um, boy, thirty nine years old. I know Joey Nye wrote a story. You can read about it on TampaBay.com, but. Yeah, USF fans, I'm sure, remember uh, Kenyatta Jones. So um, I think at one point he even was a, a Storm player, I think, for one year for the Tampa Bay Storm locally in the Arena League. So rest in peace, uh, Kenyatta. But, yeah, so that that should do it, I think, for the weekend. Anyway, whew, I'm exhausted just from uh, trying to catch up. We're here every Monday through Friday. We're glad you guys are here with us, and we love your feedback. Uh, we love the fact that uh, we're getting more and more people to listen to the podcast. And you can always reach us uh, and interact with us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is Stroud at Tampa Bay com And really, um, love for you to rate and review the podcast. Steve, where can they find this podcast?
1: Anywhere you get podcasts, whether you subscribe to iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or any third party app, you should be able to download the podcast. Just search for Sports Day Tampa Bay. If you can't find it there, go to tampabay.com slash sports. The latest episode's always there, too.
0: Keep it right here. We're going to follow the Rays. Of course, we have more sports news for you all week long as the Bucks begin mandatory min- out, mini camp. Uh, Tuesday through Thursday, and uh, check back with us Uh, again. We'll be here all week, uh, Monday through Friday, for Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.